It's so good to see all of you here with us this Easter Sunday. My name is P.D. Crowder, and I'm senior pastor here at CPC. I'm just glad to be able to worship the risen Lord and Savior here with you today. Um, Last week, I had a friend in town, and I took him to dinner one night, and we went to Red Cow, Red Cow up close to 50th in France, and, um, and he sat down and he said, what's good here? And I, I thought for a second, you know, I've had lots of meals at Red Cow and eaten lots of different things, and they've all been good. But I told him, if there's, if there's one thing you have to have here that's just amazing, I told him what that thing was. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, you can ask me later. You can ask me after this. Send me a text, an email. I'll tell you. Um, but it was like, if you want to have the one thing that just is a reminder, it all comes back to this is why it's a great restaurant. You've got to have this one amazing meal. And I know that many of us have had different experiences of church and of Christianity and ministry over the course of our lives. And what I want to tell you is, if you ever need a reminder of why Jesus is amazing, of why he's worthy of being followed, it always comes back to one thing. It comes back to the resurrection. It comes back to the resurrection every time that we believe that God came to earth as a human, lived a perfect life, was crucified on a cross, was buried in a grave, and on the third day, that tomb was empty and that it changes everything. And that the resurrection has power to transform our lives. In fact, we believe a, a relationship with the resurrection brings hope into our everyday lives and the world. Christianity always comes back to the resurrection, and the resurrection is about hope. Hope, because it means death is not the end, that death does not get the final word. And that's true for literal death, for actual death. Death is not the end for us. But it's also true for all the ways that death creeps into our lives and our world today. The death that creeps in of of the anxiety and the hopelessness and the fear and the anger, all the ways that death creeps into our lives, it does not get the final word either. If we're looking for hope in our lives or the world, it always comes back to the resurrection. And so this morning, we're going to look at a resurrection story um, that happened about a week before Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we're going to look in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 11, uh, at a different resurrection story to help us understand Jesus' resurrection. And so um, it'll be on the screens. You'll have pew Bibles in front of you. Uh, but John 11, starting in verse 17, it says, On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So this man, Lazarus, had died. He's been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany, was, which is where Lazarus is from, was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary, who were the, bro- who were the sisters of, of Lazarus, to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Okay, pause right there. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. This is not an arbitrary number. So at the time, there was this belief among some of the Jews that a body would die, but then the soul would hover above the grave for three days, decide to to wait to see if it was really truly time to depart or not. And then on the fourth day, the person was 
dead, dead. And so Jesus shows up on the fourth day, and what we're supposed to see is that this is not a resuscitation story. This is a resurrection story. And I think it's important for us to realize that that Jesus doesn't come and die and rise from the dead to pat us on the back and tell us, hey, your life's going okay, just try a little bit harder. Do a little bit better next time. Believe in yourself a little bit more. That's not the gospel. Friends, Lazarus is dead, dead, dead. Something about our lives is broken and it's not working. We need new life. We need a resurrection story. Pick back up in the text in verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hear that if you had been here. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Pause there. My family absolutely loves superhero stories. We cannot get enough of Marvel movies and any superhero story that we can get a hold of. And so what's great about a superhero movie or story is that there's like a moment where it's like all is lost, the world is falling apart, the the villain is gonna win, uh, the world is gonna be destroyed, and then all of a sudden like Iron Man swoops in and saves the day. Like Wonder Woman comes just at the nick of time, right? There's always this moment where a person who has the power to change the outcome, shows up and they make a difference. And you can hear it in Martha's cry. Jesus, if you had been here, you could have made a difference. You had power to change the outcome, Jesus, if only you had been here. And this is our story. We are powerless to change the outcome We don't have the ability to affect lasting change in our lives. We need someone outside of us. We need to give up the ways that aren't working and seek someone outside of us who has the power to transform and change everything. Someone who will show up and make a difference. Pick back up in our text. Jesus said to her, verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Spoiler alert, he does raise Lazarus from the grave. (laughs) Verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? What a question. Do you believe this? Yes, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Let's stop there. You know, if I had like a nickel for every time over the last couple of years that I've used some version of the phrase, one day, one day I'll get to do this again. One day this will be better. One day we'll get to stop doing this. I wonder what have been your one day statements over the last few years. One day we'll get to stop having to make decisions about COVID protocols for everything we do. One day we'll have everybody coming back to church again, right? One day. 
And the thing is, our one days can be paralyzing. In fact, hear what Martha said to Jesus. Martha said to Jesus, I know that one day, I know that one day he will rise. One day death will not be the end for my brother. But it still hurts right now. It's still hard in this moment. It doesn't feel better, Jesus. And it's like sometimes the sin and hopelessness of our world seem to have such a strong grip. I, I feel like we've been living on pins and needles for years now. When is the next wave gonna hit? When is the next shoe gonna drop? When is the next bad thing going to happen? And sometimes the, the fear and the hopelessness can have such a strong grip and paralyze us that we have inaction in the present, that we don't live with joy and hope Impossibility in the present. But I love what Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright said, Easter was when hope in person surprised the whole world by coming forward from the future into the present. The hope of the world wants to break into our lives right now. Jesus says, I am the future. I am living hope. I am here now, and I am the resurrection. And if that phrase, I am, causes your ears to perk up, over the last seven weeks at CPC, we've been looking at, there's seven I am statements in the book of John, in the Gospel of John. He uses, the, he uses some version of I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. Because Jesus is using these phrases to, to identify himself with God and the work that God is doing in the world. What I find fascinating, though, is if you look at those seven I am statements, almost all of them come in a group setting. Jesus is talking to a big group and says, I am the bread of life. He's talking to a, a big group of disciples and he says, I am the light of the world. As far as we can tell, he's talking to one person. He's talking to Martha's face. And he says, I am the resurrection. The resurrection is a person and that person wants a relationship with Martha and with each and every one of us. When resurrection is a person, it calls for a relationship. You see, if resurrection was just an idea or a theological doctrine, we could either agree with it or disagree with it and go about our lives. But if the resurrection is a person, we have to either trust and follow or reject and walk away. Jesus, the I am, the resurrection, wants to make a difference in your life. If you're looking for someone to show up who has power to overcome the hopelessness, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. Scripture tells us he was crucified, but he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He is not in that tomb. He's alive. He is living hope. He is the resurrection. And he wants an ongoing relationship with you. And again, we believe that a relationship 
with the resurrection will bring hope into your everyday lives and into the world. And I'm using the word relationship on purpose because Jesus wants an ongoing presence that will make a difference in your life. The resurrection wants a relationship with you. Will you have one with him? Do you have one with him? Would you trust in him? Would you have a relationship with Jesus who is the resurrection? I've told uh, a few times actually at CPC that uh, you, you can be forgiven if you've forgotten. Uh, I am an identical twin, an identical twin. There's me and my brother um, and, my, and our mom. And um, I've always been an identical twin since birth. I get asked if, if, if we've always been identical. So yes, we have. Um, uh, fun story, I feel like I have a little bit of breathing room because we don't have a service right after this one. Um, he lives in Memphis and uh, he sent me text yesterday afternoon essentially saying that uh, the, the series was in the bag with Memphis and Minnesota. So that was fun. Um, but I don't know if you uh, can imagine what it's like growing up with a shadow with someone who's always by your side wherever you go. We were on the same teams, in the same classes, in the same social groups. Um, I, I mean, I hardly ever remember a moment where he wasn't with me from birth through high school. And um, while that had lots of benefits, uh, one of the downsides was that all the, let's just say like the dumb stuff you might do as a teenager, you think twice of when you got a tattletale right by your side? And so, you know, there are lots of things that I probably would have done that I didn't do or things that I would, have done, would not have done that I did do because he was there and he would have, he would have told on me. Um, and honestly, like at the time, it was really annoying. But looking back on my life, I can really see where his presence was a grace in my life, where his presence really was a grace in my life that kept me from a lot of things I would have regretted. And so, what, I, what we see is that Jesus offers us something far greater than an identical twin to have a presence in our lives. He offers us himself. He offers the resurrection to have a presence in our life that impacts the way we live and the way we see ourselves and what we see are the possibilities for us, right? When the resurrection is in our lives, suffering doesn't seem quite so permanent. Failure doesn't define us. When the resurrection is in our lives, idols don't seem quite so shiny and temptations don't seem quite so strong. When the resurrection has power in our lives, addiction doesn't have quite the hold that it used to. The resurrection changes everything. So I wanna close by telling you one more thing my brother and I uh, did together. So when we were 13 years old, we went to a church camp in Panama, Panama City Beach, Florida. And um, one night we're in this, in this room with probably a thousand teenagers and there is um, a, a camp pastor giving a little talk and he did a monologue where he was the carpenter who built the cross that Jesus died on. And so after he shares the gospel and tells about a God who loves us so much that he's willing to lay down his life on the cross and be uh, taken up from the grave just for me, for us to have eternal life. I was so compelled that when he was done and he gave, a, he gave an, uh, an invitation, I just found myself like wandering down the aisle 
And I had not planned on that. I did not think going into that night that that was something I needed to do. Um, It had never crossed my mind, and I wasn't planning on it. And then I found myself that night giving my life to Christ. And um, so I went down front, and I prayed with somebody, and I went to this room after where they did some, like, they processed what the decision we made. And then um, later that night, we gathered with our youth group, so 30, 40 of us. And um, what I did not know until later that night was that from across the room, my brother did the same exact thing in the same exact moment. Um, and we, we didn't plan that. Right? We're 13-year-old boys. Like, we did not plan that. Um, and hadn't talked about it. And, um, but that night, I asked the resurrection into my life. Right? I asked Jesus, who is the resurrection, to be the one who has authority over my life. And it has changed everything. Like anybody who knows me will tell you that I don't follow Jesus perfectly. And yet, I have known the power of the resurrection for three decades now. And it changes things. And it's what I want for you. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for your kids. It's what I want for your parents and your grandparents. It's I want you to know the power the resurrection can have in your life. And I hope that you'll take that seriously this Easter as we celebrate the empty tomb, Jesus, the I am, the resurrection can change everything. Amen? Let's pray. Holy God, holy and loving God, we thank you so much for all the ways you love us. First and foremost, by sending your son to die and to come back from the grave to give us life that starts now and lasts for eternity, a life of hope in the midst of a hopeless world. So God, I pray that you would nudge us and move us and convict us, help us to draw closer to you, that we would be different for having worshiped this Easter morning. We love you and praise you. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, amen.